Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coming up on today's show, Mario Kart 9 is allegedly in the works. PlayStation 4 isn't going anywhere. And special guest Chastity Vincenzo is here. everybody and welcome to another episode of the what's good games podcast your source for video game news commentary analysis and funny stuff every friday i'm andrea renee joined by special guest producer and host friend of the show chastity vincencio is here hey. hi oh my gosh i've missed you so much i know so i feel like i haven't seen you in this. so long ages ages Oh, it's so too, good to be here. Too long. Um, it's mm-hmm. so good to see you. Brittany did a wonderful thing setting up for you to be on the show. And unfortunately, she can't be here this week. And I was like, oh, sad for me. I have to co-host with Chastity. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, what so I'm I love about podcasts and guesting on Friends podcasts is just like it's like mandatory hangout time. And yes. it's like we scheduled this. We're hanging out. We get to see each other. We get to talk to each other. So that's what I love about Absolutely. scheduling podcasts with my friends. Um, and congratulations on your new gig. I realized Thank the last you. time we had you on the show, you were still kicking ass at GameSpot. And <laughs> we were doing some fun stuff together, um, you know, at E3, of course. And now you're working at Ubisoft. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, that was my favorite part of the job was just getting to work with friends in the industry and get them on GameSpot stuff. And like, I was always looking forward to working with you guys at E3. And it was definitely a highlight. And yes, now I'm at Ubisoft as of April of last year. What is time? I don't know. I feel like I've been here for five minutes, but apparently right? I've been here for eight months now. Oh my gosh, you're coming but up yeah. on your one year anniversary. That's Almost. bonkers. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But I feel like I, I'm still new because I haven't really gone to the office or met a lot of my coworkers. Oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's I started, so sad. I started in quarantine. So it's just like, I don't know who to reach out to and be like, hi, I'm Chastity. Because like, I don't know who anyone is. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to doing that in person someday. So that will be nice. But well, yeah, it's been great. So there's such a great crew over there. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Waters used to be yes. at GameSpot back in the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Yusuf is great. And we love mm-hmm. a bunch of people on the on the PR side as well. And um, yes. I'm just happy for you and hope that you guys do cool stuff. And we're looking forward to what you guys are making. And we talked about how we're going to play some, some games together. But I yes, digress. Um, we will talk more <laughs> about, you know, what kind of games you're playing and what what you're doing in the producing and hosting realms a little bit later on in the show. I want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewie's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, David Icolucci, Farah Satia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Goudere, and Punctify. And welcome to our Patreon community, Wizard and Rachel Saunders. Don't forget, you can support What's Good Games at patreon.com slash what's good games. And you can help support our voices in the world of video games. It's great. And Brittany is going to go over all of our new podcast reviewers next week, as we always like to mention. If you don't have a couple bucks to throw our way, maybe you have a a couple minutes of your time to leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. It really goes a long way to helping us out. And we thank you guys for doing it. 
Today's show is also brought to you by MeUndies, ExpressVPN, and HelloFresh, but I'll tell you more about them later. Let's get into the news right away with this rumor on Mario Kart 9. So the story comes from gamesindustry.biz, but I pulled the write-up from Polygon talking about this rumor. So according to Serkin Toto, an analyst with Canton? Canton? Canton Games? I don't know how to say that. Sorry. Uh, Mario Kart 9 is in, quote, active development. It will come with a, quote, new twist. Uh, He shared his comments as part of an article for the 2022 gaming predictions over on gamesindustry.biz. As we all know, Mario Kart 8 has been around for a long time. If you did not remember, it was originally released on the Wii U in 2014. But, of course, we got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the Switch And then that game that we don't really like to talk about, Mario Kart Tour (laughs) for mobile devices. Nintendo will get their mobile act together someday. Um, The new twist, you might be wondering, for Mario Kart 9, don't have any details because Toto didn't comment on what exactly that twist would be. But you have to imagine if they're going to be making another installment in one of their most iconic franchises, they've got to be doing something a little different. So, Chastity, are you as big of a Mario Kart diehard as I am? Oh, 100%. And this became a big game for me during the, the pandemic and, and sheltering in place, especially 2020. It was like a, fr- a like a friend game that I could play with my friends back home in New York. I usually visit them once a year. So that was how we reconnected. We played weekly sessions of Mario Kart and Animal Crossing. So this was like a big comeback for me. And I've been playing it a lot. But uh, it's a great online game. I feel like it's it's better online than it is like than Smash. Like I con- connectivity wise. Them fight like, words. It's, it's, pun the, intended. The lag. <laughs> the lag on Smash is so bad, but there's no lag on Mario Kart. And so please fix Smash. But anyway, um, <laughs> so I I just like wished for years that there would be more a Mario Kart Nine. I wished that they would add more maps to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and more things to do, uh, but they didn't need to, right? Because they were constantly the best-selling Switch game and it was the best-selling Mario Kart game ever. So people will not stop buying this game. So please stop buying this game and let them make Mario Kart 9. No, but that's the please. Nintendo special. They just I keep know. selling you the game that you've already bought five times. Brittany and I, I lament know. about this all the time. Oh, yeah. But New Twist has me excited. So I'm wondering what that is. What I would like to see is like a planned post-launch, like plan of action. Like we have, they, they release it and like, this is our year one and we've got planned seasons. We've got time limited events. We've got regularly uh, added content and different carts and, and like they could expand the roster each season. We got Link in there already. Like we've got Isabel, we've got Inklings. Can we like really smash bros this up? Sorry to keep mentioning smash, uh, but get some I mean, Pokemon why? in there, right? Get some Pokemon in yeah, there, right? Like sure. I want... I want Psyduck in there. Like, I know it would be Pikachu. I want Psyduck. <laughs> I just want to put that out into the universe. <laughs> I love so, Psyduck. He'd be so fun in a cart race there. Please. I mean, Please just, just they have... Oh, and for people watching at youtube.com slash Games, Chastity just showed her adorable... so many. ...little Psyduck. So many Psyducks. Don't you have room. the giant Psyduck pillow? I do. Uh, no, it's the giant plush Psyduck. I, he costs a lot of money. Uh, he's mean, sitting in the corner right now. But yeah, he's great. Nice. <laughs> Um, well, I, I'm with you that there's absolutely the opportunity for them to get in on like the battle pass craze that's really taken over mm-hmm. live service games in the last couple of years and 
what better game to do it with than Mario Kart, as you mentioned. They sort of did it with Smash, but it wasn't mm -hmm. like an official battle pass. It was more like traditional DLC rollouts. But that game requires a lot more balancing than a kart racer would. So I have to assume that it would be easier for them to implement a regular season pass slash battle pass of sorts if they were to go that route. Now. Right. When it comes to like new twist, you know, I think about some of the technology that they've utilized with the Switch that we really haven't had before. And I think, of course, immediately of AR. And I'm not mm. sure if augmented reality is something that they would want to bring to Mario Kart. Obviously, they had Live Circuit, which did really well for them and was a really cool piece of tech that they built. But I know that I'm just ready for new Mario Kart and the fact that we haven't got one for almost eight years is kind of wild. So it it's is. time, Nintendo. Bring the big boys back. We, of course, <laughs> will keep keep our eyes peeled. I would imagine that a Mario Kart 9 announcement wouldn't happen until an E3 era. Um, and we'll see, um, we'll see what's going to happen. Speaking of E3, I didn't mention this because there wasn't, like, official news on it. But last week, the ESA said, hey, Omicron looks bad. COVID situation is still ongoing. We're going to nix having an in-person event this year. And then a bunch of people took that as we're doing a digital event. But the ESA did not confirm mm -hmm. that they are doing a digital event this year. I just want to point that out. It's a little Very controversial true. to think about. Um, is the ESA going to sit it out a year? I think that if they were ever going to sit it out, this year would be a good year to do it because I think a lot of games that were going to come in this year are going to be coming in 2023 instead. And so it's like, hey, you know what? Maybe take a year off, rejigger things. But um, I think the juggernaut of the summer of gaming is still going to get underway regardless of E3 or not. So we'll keep our eyes peeled, Nintendo. Um, next up, PlayStation 4's lifespan has reportedly been extended as PS5 supply issues continue. So this was reported by quite a few outlets this week, but the write-up comes from Eurogamer. The PS4 manufacturing has been set to cease at the end of 2021. That's obviously come and gone. Bloomberg reported, but has been extended through 2022, meaning around a million more last-gen consoles will be created. Sony's decision is largely due to the ongoing supply chain issues affecting PS5 chips, which have made stock of the newer consoles scarce even a year after launch. A Sony spokesperson has responded to the report with the confirmation that PS4 would continue to be made this year, although the company did not publicly confirm the report of its earlier plan to wind production down. Now, more than 116 million PlayStation 4 consoles have been sold worldwide, making it one of the most successful consoles of all time. But still behind, the guy at the top, the PS2, the best-selling console ever, around wow. 155 million units. Dang, PS2. I didn't yeah. even know. Yeah, we That's talk a lot about crazy. like the the kind of perfect storm that led to the PS2 becoming mm -hmm. such a juggernaut and how it's very unlikely that any single console will ever be able to catch that number just because of the sheer diversity of ways to play games these days. Whereas back mm -hmm. then, there That's wasn't really true. like a lot of console options. It was like you had your Nintendo system mm -hmm. and like Xbox really wasn't competitive, right, um, right. back then. And so PS2 just came out and, and dominated. Um, also, one of the sense. best systems ever. So uh, what do you think about this? Do you think that this is good news or bad news for PlayStation? I mean, it's it's news. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's ridiculous news. that it's, it's ridiculous that it's been out for over a year, the PS5, and it's still so hard to get. I still am just like, 
thinking, yeah, I couldn't get a second one if I wanted to for like a, a friend or a relative. I'd be like, I don't know. You, you try to get that on your own and good luck. But like yeah. I, I was thinking about uh, a couple of tweets I saw and I saw like PS5s being spotted at international airports. What? With like marked up prices. Like there is there, the one that went um, not viral, but just like was spread around was like there was a $1,700 um, PS5 that's being sold at the Buenos Aires duty free shop right now, which is crazy. Um it's $1,700. And also they spotted PS5s at the Fiji airport and one in Istanbul as well. Uh, so if you're at one of those airports, I guess you don't have a PS5, go ahead and pick one up. But uh, be prepared to shell out a lot more money than you were planning. Ooh. That is, I mean, $1,700. It's like, yo, just wait. Just wait. Yeah, seriously. Just you're paying wait. triple what you would no- normally have to pay. And mm-hmm. there's just, there's nothing coming to to PS5 that's worth paying $1,700 for no. because Sony has said that there are two flagship games that are coming out this year, Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok will have PS4 releases. Mm. And that's really smart of them knowing that they, along with many other electronics makers, are suffering from this chip shortage, which we talked about on the show last week after CES. And it's no surprise to me that they're going to continue to make PS4. It's a great system. Like it's you can play amazing, yeah, no, beautiful is. games on on the PlayStation Four, and a lot of times I have people in my life that come to me because I work in video games, and I'm sure you do too, Chastity, and say like, "Hey, can you you know give me some advice on what systems to get or what games mm-hmm. to play?" And you know, I I get a lot of questions from friends and, and family that aren't you know in the games world that are like, you know, do I have to spend money on the new consoles? And I just keep saying over and over again, no, you do not. They don't. Yeah, they, you they absolutely really don't. can have a wonderful gaming experience on an Xbox One or on a PlayStation Four. Now, will it be better with an Xbox One X or a PlayStation Four Pro? Yes, definitely. Um, do you need to spend that extra money if you can get your hands on a PS Five or an Xbox Series X? Definitely not. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be there in like another year or two. But right now, you know, PS4 is a great system. Yeah. So it's fine. Get whatever you can and just play. A lot of great games are out there. So just play. doesn't matter where you're playing. Exactly. And we'll keep our, our, keep our eyes, PlayStation, <laughs> on the news about your subscription service. We're yes, looking. Yes, please. <laughs> I want it. Because oh, I'm new to Game Pass because uh, I just got... Um, this is the first Xbox that I've purchased myself ever. Uh, I've had like work Xboxes and whatnot, um, but I, I was just like, I really want the Series X and I finally got one. And, and so I finally got Game Pass. I'm like, it just opened a whole new world for me. And it's it's just changed my life. I swear they are not paying me. <laughs> we talk about how great it's Game amazing. Pass is on it's the amazing. show all the time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an amazing value. And there's just mm-hmm. so many great games that you can play. And for... That price, you know, either $10 a month or $15 a month, whichever membership you choose, I mean, there's just nothing comparative to it right now. And right. so I think it's going to be interesting if PlayStation does end up making a play to compete with Game Pass, they're really going to have to leverage their partnerships to get mm-hmm. titles in that Xbox hasn't got in yet. So, but even just the suite of Sony's first party games are phenomenal. So, yeah, absolutely. Keep, keeping our eyes peeled. Before we get to our next story, I want to let you know that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Me Undies. Is someone you love in a relationship with somebody who tells the same joke over and over? Or are they with somebody who has the audacity to starfish the bed? You know who you are out there. 
<laughs> be honest, that somebody is you. Okay, now relationships aren't perfect. And that's why Me Undies celebrates our imperfectly perfect matches with their new Valentine's Day collection. I am a big fan of Me Undies. We talk about them all the time here on What's Good Games, and we love their holiday wear. And Valentine's Day is one of my favorites with Me Undies. I still have my original hearts underwear that John and I got on our first Valentine's Day together. Speaking of gifting underwear, did you remember that Valentine's Day is coming up? Groundbreaking. I know. Put it in your calendar, everybody. But gifting matching underwear for you and your significant other is something that's just fun to do. But don't worry if you're single. You could always gift a pair of underwear to your bestie or maybe your favorite family member. What's better than wearing matching onesies while you're hanging out watching your favorite show on Netflix, right? You can even get dog hoodies or buddy bands to match your four-legged BFFs. So be sure to check out all of me undies, super cute and super soft undies, socks, bralettes, loungewear, and more available in sizes extra small to 4XL. MeUndies has a great offer for What's Good Games listeners for a limited time only. Get 25% off your first order of matching pairs for Valentine's Day. Plus, as a first-time purchaser, you also get 15% off and free shipping right to your door. To get 25% off matching pairs, 15% off your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to meundies.com slash WGG. That's meundies.com slash WGG so they know what's good game sent you. Mobile games are something that I find myself talking a lot about on What's Good Games. I feel like I'm the like usually the lone person defending <laughs> defending mobile games. And I saw that you're playing a mobile game, which I we're going to talk about later. Uh, yeah. But I bring them up today because we have some new numbers about just how crazy the mobile gaming market has become. So according to a story on Eurogamer, spending on mobile games from consumers has reached 116 billion with a B globally in 2021, according to a new state of mobile from App Annie. That's an increase of 42.22 billion since 2018. And what's more, total app spending was 170 billion across all apps, meaning of the 170 billion, 116 of it is just gaming, which wow. is a giant chunk of the revenue in the uh, global app market. So in terms of consumer spending, Roblox tops the rankings worldwide, followed by Genshin Impact and Coinmaster. Now for monthly active users, PUBG Mobile ranks top along with Roblox and Candy Crush. Candy Crush is hanging in there. Still there. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's classic. Match three. You it can't is. go wrong. And then <laughs> Pokemon Go is also high for spending while Among Us has high active users. Strategy games, MMORPGs, and team battle games have emerged with the highest consumer spend, and these types of games are favored by younger players, while older players prefer puzzle games. Uh, both of my grandparents play puzzle games on their iPads, I which I think that is great. For them. That's yeah, awesome. me too. Just goes to show anybody can be a gamer. Mm -hmm. um, plus, I did want to mention, aside from this story, also this week, publisher Take-Two Interactive purchased mobile game giant Zynga for a staggering $12.7 billion, <laughs> the most expensive insane. video game acquisition of all time. Yeah, that is crazy. That I feel like that's more than Disney spent on a studio. And so it's like, yeah. it's just well, people always love to use the Star nuts. Wars acquisition yeah. as comparison. Yeah. And for people to remember, I believe it was 1.8 
million or billion that Disney bought Star Wars for. So this is 12.7. That is, it's, I just, I can't, I can't wrap my brain around that figure of money, but wow, congrats to Zynga. But that is huge. They're really putting it all in with mobile games. Like they're like, we want to make more mobile games. We want to like get it up to like 50% mobile games at take two. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. It definitely is something that has been lacking from their portfolio. And I just mm-hmm. want to make a correction. So Disney bought Lucasfilm for $4 billion in 2012. So that was 10 years ago, $4 billion. So still, you know, less than a third of what Take-Two purchased Zynga for. So keep that in mind, if, yeah. lest you think nobody plays mobile games. Um, but I saw, I think it was Strauss Zelnick who was speaking um, to the media this week after that acquisition was made public talking about how they just have Zynga has like a very different philosophy in game making than a lot of the publishers or excuse me the developers underneath the take two interactive label do and it's true imagine if they could leverage the engineering teams at Zynga's studios to make really comprehensive mobile versions of some of take two interactive's biggest titles if they could successfully bring GTA online to mobile it could crush. Because, yeah. I mean, that game already crushes, but, like, the, <laughs> really the world does. domination could continue. <laughs> it really does. Uh, this is just, like, a, something I thought about, but I was in the Philippines in 2019, and just, like, all the young people were just gaming on their phones, and I was just, like, they're just sitting around playing whatever on their phones. I think, like, maybe PUBG and some other random games. Um, but I was just surprised, and I, was, I would ask my cousin, I'm just, like, why are you playing on your phone? They're, like, we all, we all play on our phones. I'm just, like, oh. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's awesome. Very cool. I I personally can't. I don't feel like I'd be any good, but <laughs> good on y'all. But yeah, it's huge in other countries. Well, I think it's just, you know, practice makes perfect. And yes. it's just about <laughs> adapting to the style of gameplay. Mm-hmm. I prefer to play with sticks. Like I love con- playing with Me a controller. Too. It's my preferred way to play. But a lot of mobile games now have Bluetooth controller support. Mm-hmm. which is great. So you don't necessarily need to play on the glass. But I talk about this on this show all the time, how my preferred mobile gaming experience is a game that's designed specifically for mobile and not right. like a port of a game that mm-hmm. was made for PC, excuse me, or for console. So um, yeah, I'm I'm guessing we're going to get some, you know, mobile games from Take-Two titles in the not too distant future. Um, just a couple more quick hit game announcements, or not game announcements, I should say news announcements. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of mobile games, I found this article, this opinion piece over on gamesindustry.biz. And I'm bringing this up because I've talked recently on the show Chastity about my mobile obsession of the moment, which is Lego Star Wars Battles. Have mm-hmm. you played this game at all? I have not, but I heard you talking about it and I am yes. interested. Slight mm-hmm. obsession. Um, mm-hmm. Been playing quite a bit of it. So it is inside Apple Arcade which means it's, you know, you pay your Apple Arcade subscription and then there's no microtransactions within all of the games, the 200 plus games in the portfolio. Once you pay your pay Apple, your five bucks or whatever, you get to play any of those games and then inside those games, you can't buy anything. So there was this opinion piece called Apple Arcade Breaks Free to Play, but Not How You Think. So this was written by a professor at Seattle University named Christopher A. Paul, and he analyzes why Apple subscription service can make games build on free-to-play mechanics far less compelling to play and I've never felt more seen (laughs) by 
an opinion piece ever. I was like, ooh, Professor Paul, you get me. Because I, t- I was just complaining <laughs> on the show about how I really am enjoying this game now that I've kind of gotten over the first grindy hump of it. But that, you know, my my biggest gripe with this game continues to be that it's obvious that it was made for a free-to-play platform with microtransaction timers and mechanics built in mm. because they were in, in beta before they kind of shut down and then relaunched under Apple Arcade. And they haven't gone back and kind of tweaked some of that thing, some of those things and balanced some of it to make it feel a little bit less grindy because there very clearly is a premium currency missing that you could buy to kind of fast track your way through certain things. Like, for example, I'm slowly working my way through a battle pass in the game but each mission that gives me credit towards unlocking another step in the battle pass is time gated. So I can only do, I think, five or six missions at a time. And then once I clear all, all those missions, then I have to wait, you know, X amount of hours until the missions refresh and then I can go again. And I'm like, but why? Why are you stopping me? Like yeah. if I is it's like if I'm playing Call of Duty Warzone and I'm working on my battle pass like there's nothing time gated on that battle pass I can like literally play Warzone for days on end and like clear everything as fast or as slow as I want to and so it's been a real interesting thing watching you know other games and seeing and there's not to be clear there's not a ton of these games in Apple Arcade most of the Apple Arcade games are those mobile games designed for mobile they're not and they're not designed for free to play but some of the acquisitions didn't go that way so i just wanted to bring this out if you guys want to read the full article i'm not going to go over it now gamesindustry.biz has the opinion piece on apple arcade and i just thought it was very very poignant to my personal interests um speaking of free to play PUBG finally went free to play i have to admit chastity i thought PUBG was free to play this whole time (laughs) You know, I, I understand that. I to- definitely understand that. I thought I thought it went free to play like already. Right. I, I, I know it wasn't for a bit, but then <laughs> I really thought that they had just switched to that. Like I, I was shocked when I read this headline. I was like, wait a minute. It's like like clear the clear the schmutz out of my eyes. I was like, did I did I read this correctly? Is this game not free to play? So uh just the little blurb here. During uh the show, meaning the game awards last year, I don't know if, if anybody listening or watching remembers that they did a bit on PUBG when they talked about the narrative, you know, Glenn Schofield coming on board to run the in- new internal studio for their campaign set within the PUBG universe. Um, I digress. The developer at that time revealed that the game would feature two tiers of free-to-play uh, going forward. The standard you know, free-to-play account, which offers access to most of the features, and then the studio's premium tier called Battlegrounds Plus, where players who previously bought the game will be automatically made part of this premium tier, while those new to the series will need to pay $12.99 should they want those additional features that the mode has to offer, which $12.99 isn't bad, but I guess we need to see you know, what is the time period um, for the battle pass and is it competitive obviously right. a lot of people comparing this to games like apex legends and fortnite and their team was like no we didn't feel pressure from those games to make our game free to play you know we just thought it was the right time to do so and that to me smacks of well our servers haven't been seeing as much activity <laughs> lately we could use a little matchmaking bump exactly are you sure 
didn't have any effect because I think he kind of did. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been a big battle royale person, a battle royale of any kind? Uh, Apex was probably the one I got into the most. Uh, and when it first started, I was really into it for a while. And then I fell off, um, I think maybe 2020, um, well, like late 2020. Um, and I just haven't been back. But other than that, I wasn't really hooked. Like I wasn't super into PUBG. I tried it a couple times. Wasn't for me, but it was definitely Apex for sure. How about you? The only battle royale that I really spent any time with was was Fall Guys. Can you do you count that as a I, battle royale? I like yes. If that counts, then I, Fall Guys was also it for me. So Apex yeah. and then Fall Guys. Yeah, let's I mean, count I, it. Let's I count have it. played a bunch of Warzone um, <laughs> just for funsies, but I wouldn't call myself like a proficient Warzone player. But of all the battle royales, it's been Fall Guys and Warzone. I also only played like a handful of rounds in PUBG and just something about the stylings just and at the time when I first started playing PUBG just was not for me and mm -hmm. I remember that that's really when Fortnite first was taking off when I first started playing PUBG and of course obviously PUBG had been around you know for a while before yeah. Fortnite and people were all mad that Fortnite was like stealing from <laughs> PUBG and like PUBG stole from a bunch of other people so don't worry about it okay but it's interesting to me just how long the battle royale genre has been hanging on mm -hmm. and all the different types of battle royales that we're seeing now and how diverse the field of battle royales has become. Is there any other battle royales that you've kind of had your eye on that you're like, maybe this is the one that could get me in? Mm, not really. I think it's just not the genre for me. It's just too stressful. And like, as I've yes. been more stressed in 2020, 2021, <laughs> and now 2022, it's just like not what I, not the vibe I'm looking for right now. <laughs> like, I don't I just blame you. <laughs> I just want to chill. And you'll see when I list the games I've been playing, they all have a, a growing theme, which is chill vibes. And that's what I'm looking for. And <laughs> BRs are the opposite of chill vibes. Yes. You hear me. You feel yes. me. This is exactly where I'm at too. Like mm -hmm. less, less stress 2022. Exactly. <sighs> All right. Okay. The last little blip I just wanted to mention because this is one of my favorite franchises of all time. <laughs> Assassin's Creed, the Ezio collection is finally coming to Nintendo Switch on February 17th. And if you guys have never played the Assassin's Creed games, or even if you have and it's been a while, these are three of probably my favorite in the franchise. I mean, obviously, I have a soft spot for Black Flag mm -hmm. and Odyssey, but I mean, I still to this day maintain that Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is my favorite of the Assassin's Creed, and the Ezio collection includes Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and Assassin's Creed Revelations, three wonderful games, and it's yeah. on Nintendo Switch, and they've, mm -hmm. you know, done some fancy bells and whistles. Um, yeah, enhanced you... features, uh, there's going to be a handheld mode, HD rumble, touchscreen interface, optimized HUD for the Switch, and there's two short films as well that dive deeper Ooh. into Ezio's story, Assassin's Creed Lineage and Assassin's Creed Embers. I didn't I know that those were going to be included. Because, yeah, That's great. I, because I wrote the article <laughs> I wasn't going to so, say top it. Top of my brain. <laughs> um, and I'm super excited about it. Yeah. Um, so of all the Assassin's Creed games, and this is just video game aficionado, chastity, mm -hmm. no pressure. Which of the Assassin's Creed games is your favorite? Oh, I really, really love 
Valhalla, but it's probably just because it's so oh, fresh in my yes. mind. I've spent yeah. so much money, and then not money, time. Time is money to me. <laughs> I've spent so much yeah. time on it. I mean, um, but also cosmetics. Yeah, spent yeah. a lot of money on cosmetics. It's, it's fake money, and because uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I work there. But um, but Black Flag is is awesome. Black Flag, I just love pirate shit, and you know. Yeah, there was just something about <laughs> the. I think Black Flag came out at a time where the team in Singapore did such an amazing job, kind of upgrading the ocean tech that they created for Assassin's Creed 3 and they utilized it in ship mechanics in a way that I think people didn't know they wanted in an Assassin's Creed game and just the act of being able to kind of sail your ship around the Caribbean and kind of island hop and go off and explore and just kind of have that really tropical vibe was just such a different art aesthetic for the Mm -hmm. Assassin's Creed franchise overall and not to mention, of course, all the pirate stuff and the shanties and yes, all that shanties. was super fun. <laughs> and I loved, you know, the story of it. And it's just to this day, I think one of my favorites, because I think it was the first big pivot that that franchise took. And since then has done some really amazing things. Obviously, Origins being another big step in this mm-hmm. new kind of open world action RPG genre that they've leaned super heavily into in Valhalla and Oh, just stop me now. We're just going to make the podcast, <laughs> the rest of the podcast, all about Assassin's Creed. We're going to have a ton of the best franchises in video games. Oh, man. So good. And there's new content. I keep forgetting that there's all this mm-hmm. new narrative stuff. There's just not enough hours on the day, Chastity. I know. When am I going to go back? Avor and Cassandra. Come on. Let's I know. I know. I haven't <laughs> even played it yet. But I think I've clocked like 150 hours in Valhalla. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I'm like, oh, do I have to go back? Can I go back? probably at some point (laughs) all right on that note that's going to wrap up our news for the week when we come back we're going to talk about what we've been playing that's right chill vibes everybody stick with us we'll see you in a minute Welcome back, everybody. It's the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast. And I want to let you know that it's brought to you by ExpressVPN. You guys already know all about ExpressVPN. I mean, how could you not? I talk about them all the time on our show, and I can't stress enough the importance of protecting your online activity from big tech who tracks, spy, and profit off of you. But there's actually another reason many of our listeners like using ExpressVPN. It's Netflix, everybody. See, there are thousands of shows on Netflix that are only available outside of the United States. So you need to change your country if you want to access them. What the ExpressVPN app does is it encrypts your data and reroutes it through a server location of your choice. So not only is your data protected, but it also lets you control which country you want Netflix to think you're in. ExpressVPN lets you choose from over 90 different countries. So every time you run out of stuff to watch, you can just fire up the app and boom, whether you're on your laptop or your smart TV, just switch your country and hit connect. Now, once you refresh the page, you're going to get a brand new selection of shows. It's just that simple. Now, here's the best part. It's not just for Netflix. You can use ExpressVPN to unlock shows or sports on many other streaming services too, like using it for BBC iPlayer. It's free and only available in the UK. Now, there's a reason why ExpressVPN is the number one rated VPN by publishers like Business Insider and, of course, our show here. 
So be smart, guys. Protect your data and stop paying full price for streaming services while only getting access to a fraction of their content. Visit expressvpn.com slash what's good games right now and get three extra months of their service for free. That's expressvpn.com slash what's good games. Expressvpn.com slash what's good games to learn more. This episode of What's Good Games is also brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. The new year is upon us. That means resolutions and changing old habits. So whether it's saving money by ordering less takeout and maybe you finally want to learn to cook or maybe you're just prioritizing your wellness, HelloFresh is here to help with endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality and you can save on average over $65 a month when you order HelloFresh instead of groceries shopping. The more money you put towards those other 2022 goals, the better, right? I know that my husband and I have saved a ton of money, hundreds if not thousands of dollars by having HelloFresh every week instead of relying on takeout. Because let me tell you, when you've got an infant, getting to the grocery store is tough. Plus, HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your order online or in the app, change your delivery day, your food preferences, your plant size, or even skip a week when you need to. Like how we had to skip like three weeks in a row over the holidays because we just weren't home. It was super easy to do in the app, easy peasy. And now we're back on track and I am looking forward to making creamy dill chicken tonight. Mmm, salivating just thinking of it. Go to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 16 and use code What's Good 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. To try America's number one meal kit, go to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 16 and use code What's Good 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. And so they know that What's Good Game sent you. All right, Chastity, let's talk about what we've been playing. So I want to start with you because you've been okay. playing quite a few more games than I've been playing lately. And hopefully you've been playing what I've been playing. Keep it a secret. Um, <laughs> but I love that you've been playing Unpacking. This is a game yes. I talked about last year on the show. And I saw your tweet about the <laughs> shame that you felt about playing unpacking when you had like a suitcase just staring you being like unpack yes. me <laughs> just taunting me in the corner as I'm playing unpacking and I hadn't I had not realized I'd played like two full hours of this game and not unpacked a suitcase that from my Disneyland trip from nine days before and I when I realized it I tweeted about it I'm like isn't that funny and I still <laughs> finished the game before I unpacked that suitcase the shame no, unpacking suitcases <laughs> is the worst. When you get back from a yeah. trip, you're like, um, mm -hmm. then I have to do laundry exactly. and put everything away. <laughs> no one wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that. But yeah, I, I finished the game before I actually unpacked that suitcase. But that suitcase has been unpacked. Just want to let you all know an update on that. But I loved this game. It was so great. Uh, if you haven't played it, it's available on Game Pass, which is where I played it. Um, it's exactly as it sounds. Unpacking Simulator, where you're unpacking the main character's boxes. Uh, as they settle into new homes over the course of their life. Uh, starts in 1997, you're a child all the way through adulthood. You have to put things in their proper places and rooms and create a satisfying living space. So I finished this in about three and a half to four hours, 
But I personally love organizing things and it, it really, I really took my time just putting things in their proper spots as if I was going to live there. So like, I really <laughs> enjoyed this, but I love its unique take on storytelling. It says so little and relies on using the person's belongings over the years to tell a story about their life and gives you clues to fill in the blanks. So I was intrigued to see what items they kept as they got older. I also spent a bit of time trying to identify like what consoles and games and DVDs they owned. And I was like, oh, that's that's definitely Ghost World for sure. And then like, oh, they kept the Ghost World DVD. Like, I can't believe years. you couldn't see <laughs> the <Yeah>. pixels. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, I can I can I can figure out what that is. That was fun. So um yeah, you learn what their interests are and you try to like guess what career path they take just by looking at what's in their room and what's in their office later, and you learn about their relationships too. Uh, but yeah, I love that. And I also love that like anyone can play this game. Um, it's it's so easy. And if you love organizing things like I do, it's so satisfying. So it's just a really good game for just zoning out and feeling like you're getting stuff done at the same time. But yeah, uh, I definitely played it and neglected my own IRL unpacking. Because it's way easier to it and is. more soothing to do it in a virtual world. It's kind of that theory or principle of cleaning how people who enjoy cleaning like myself I actually enjoy cleaning Me but too. I prefer to clean somebody else's house than to clean my own because I get a, such a sense of satisfaction of not only having done something to help somebody but also it's like okay I'm going to go in I'm going to start this project I'm going to finish this project whereas I feel like mm -hmm. when I clean my own house it's just this rolling never-ending <laughs> right mess and I can make little wins here and there but then I never want to do it but if someone's like, I need help organizing my closet, I'll be like, I'm coming Let's over go. right now. <laughs> yeah. We're going to do this. We're going to color code your closet. It's going to be great. Yeah. Exactly. Love that. Love that. All about that. See, you feel me. You get it. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, so these other two games I haven't heard of. Tell mm. me about Sable. Ooh, okay. So I started playing Sable this week. That was my next Game Pass game. Uh, it's made by Shedworks, which is only a two-person studio. It's made out of two guys who actually work out of one of their sheds, so that's why it's called Shedworks, I think, which is adorable. Um, but you guide this young masked girl uh, named Sable through her gliding. So this is like a rite of passage that will take her across vast deserts and landscapes on her hover bike. And it really just lets you zone out and explore ruins and dunes and go on quests and meet other clans and nomads really at your own pace. So it's, it's nonviolent. It's more about discovery and about the journey. So it's extremely relaxing to play. So like chill vibes continued. That's the theme here. Um, I also really admire its distinctive art style, as you can see on the screen, uh, uses line art. And I believe they take inspiration from Studio Ghibli, which I'm also a huge fan of. Um, but I also read that the setting was somewhat inspired by Star Wars The Force Awakens. So uh, I think I read a quote where they're like, what if Rey never left Jakku? So like, it's about, like, mm. yeah, if you think about Rey's life on Jakku from like the first opening section of Force Awakens, like what if she just stayed there? What would her life be like? I feel like that's a really great hook and I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So I definitely see the influence in the game. So it's also got really good music. Um, the soundtrack is by Japanese Breakfast, who charted or topped a few lists for best albums of 2021. Oh, yeah. Um, they performed at yeah. the Game Awards, didn't they? Yes, I think so. Um, like in 2020? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're great. And so I've only played about four hours so far. Um, it's supposed to be about seven hours for the main story. Uh, but I, I'm just kind of taking my time and just going around wherever I feel like. And it's perfect to pick up and put down if you just want to explore and chill for a while and take your mind off things. But if slow-paced open world exploration isn't your thing, you might want to play something else. 
I mean, the art style looks really cool. Yeah. I remember seeing a little bit about this game, but um, not really having played it because as I mentioned on the show last week, you know, open world games in particular have been really challenging for me. Mm-hmm. Um, even before my baby was here when I was pregnant, it was still tough for me to kind of, you know, devote a lot of time to open, to open world games. And I think, I feel like Valhalla was probably the last open world game Mm. that I really spent a bunch of time in. So it's, um, I like though when indies do it because when you get into an open world, it still feels a little bit more finite than you get with AAA, right? Like it's different Mm -hmm. than me going into like Far Cry 6, right? Right. Yeah. Like this isn't as overwhelming. Um, it's, it's just like, okay, well there's only so many things I can visit and so many like ruins I can check out and get something and then then I'm done here. It's like there's not like a million things to do. I can just move on to the next thing. But yeah, chill vibes for sure. Nice. And then mobile game <laughs> Animal Restaurant. What is yes. what is this? I'm intrigued. <laughs> animal Restaurant. Wait, wait, wait. Before you tell me what yeah. this is. Okay. Let me guess just based off the name. Yes, please. What this is. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a mobile game Animal mm-hmm. Restaurant. It's where animals are the servers and the cooks. So instead of being on the plate, they're actually the ones serving you the food, and it's all vegetarian dishes. <laughs> so there's like pretty, a cow that's, that's that was close. working the the hotline in the back. You got like a a cute little like llama working the hostess stand. <laughs> Maybe there's like a little fox who's working behind the bar. Am I close? You practically nailed it. Uh, yes. The, the, the whole restaurant's run by cats, so I feel like you would love it. Oh, my God, <laughs> even better. I have a, I've got a handyman cat, and I've got a cat who collects the money, and I've got a cat who's the waiter, and I've got a cat who does my promotions, and she's big and fluffy, and she's very, like, vibrant. And then I've got, like, some cats in the kitchen helping me out, and I've got a cat delivery boy, and he goes and I love this. <laughs> but yeah, it's just adorable. So like if you just want something cute and mindless to like spend your time on and not really think about and you just you just need to play something on your phone because you're busier doing whatever or you're pretending to be in a meeting um, or in <laughs> or a line pre- at Disneyland, which is when I started playing Pretending to be it. in a meeting, story <laughs> of all of our lives. Right. It's just, it's, um, but I, I played this um, during my Disneyland trip because I just needed something to play because I forgot my Switch. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to be at Disneyland. I'm going to be busy. And it's like, wait a minute. There's a lot of waiting at Disneyland. And there's like a lot of like downtime other than going to Disneyland. So um, my friend Summer um, from Bandai Namco introduced this to me. She's like, I've been hooked on this. I was like, oh, that, that looks cute. Maybe I'll try it. And she's just she's like, yeah, give it a shot. And then I was stuck on it. And I would not stop playing. And like it got so bad that week that like, I would pretend I wasn't playing and and my boyfriend would like walk down the stairs and he'd stare at me and I I had my phone down. He's like, you were playing Animal Restaurant, weren't you? I was like, yes, yes, I was. You're like, maybe. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find a video for this game and all I can find on YouTube is, is fan made stuff. Oh, like there's oh. no actual like official trailer for this game. And I know that if I show somebody's gameplay, right. I'm we're gonna get we a content ID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get a content ID flag on the video. And I don't wanna, yeah, I don't wanna deal exactly. with that. We, we um, can pull up some screenshots or something, but Yeah, like maybe I can I can try to find um something. I'll I'll let you guys I'll let you guys <laughs> Use your imagination. Uh, yeah. But just describing it based off watching these gameplays on YouTube, it's got a very kind of, it, I don't want to call it chibi art style, but it kind of feels like Whimsical. that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very cutesy. Um, they're, they're, 
they're cute cats running this restaurant. And you've got different types of animals that are coming in. All sorts of animals come in and they have different personalities. Uh, sometimes a skunk comes in and you're like, get out of here, man. No he's skunks allowed. Chase everyone away. And he just wants to like spray all over the restaurant. You're like, no. And then everyone runs away and <laughs> it's terrible. But you get paid in fish, which is adorable. Um, Amazing. The more, <laughs> the more fish you make, the more you can spend on nicer items to make your restaurant even nicer. Uh, you have a kitchen, a buffet, a garden. You work up to having a food delivery service and you earn stars. Um, and then as you progress, you increase your star rating, unlock new customers. Um, it's just adorable and addictive. I haven't spent now any I have money to on play it, this. I just I just let the ads run, so I do it while I'm doing other stuff, like laundry or watching a TV show, and I just like like earn the money so I can make my restaurant all nice. Uh, but I just let it run the ads. I haven't spent a single cent on it. So yet. do they have an option where you can clear the ads? Uh yeah, yeah, you could if you if you want to pay for it or like I think it starts you off with like five skip ad tickets. Um, but then after that, you can sometimes they're really short ads that are like five seconds, and sometimes they're thirty second ads, and it's whatever. You're like, it's I five just, seconds. Like, do something it's else. Fine. Yeah, yeah. I just it's I think fine. I've reached a point of my mobile gaming where I'm like, I don't want to watch any more ads for other mobile <laughs> games inside my mobile games. Where is yeah. the clear Where is the clear ads option? And we were talking <laughs> about this on the show because I play this. It's not really a game. It's more of an like an app. It's called Happy Color. And it's a like a coloring book app. And they have hints that you can get for ad watching. And then you can, like, between coloring pages, like, they show you ads for other mobile games. And my biggest gripe about games that do this or apps that do this is that they keep just showing the same ads over and over, over again. Like, the ad over. inventory is, like, super limited. Yeah. I'm like, listen... I've seen the ad for the zombie game like 1,500 times. I'm not playing the zombie game. (laughs) Um, And so I'm always looking to, you know, support, not only support the teams that make it, but also like clear the ads out. I'll pay, I'll pay to get rid of the ads. So yeah, Um, I definitely am going to play this. I'll check it out. Um, You you had me sold on cast. If you add me as a friend and we can visit each other's restaurants. (gasps) Oh, and then we, we get gifts for visiting each other. It's nice. Yes, let's this do it. This is great. <laughs> this is the best discovery ever. I'm You're super excited about the this animal so restaurant. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm ready to play. Um, so speaking of mobile games, the game I've been playing, I've been playing on mobile, but you can technically play on any device that you can get to an internet browser on. The game that has taken the internet by storm. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is Wordle. Chester, have you gotten into Wordle? No, I see everyone's Wordle tweets, and I know that if I get into it, I'm going to be up at midnight just like everyone else on my feed, and I'm going to be playing (laughs) this game, waiting for midnight. Like, i got to get it. i got to get it. No, yeah, I've definitely, tell I've definitely more. accidentally forgot that I've already done the puzzle for the day and then logged back in and tried <laughs> oh, no. to do it again. And John's like, didn't you already solve this one? Because I was like, I got it in like two tries. I was like, oh, I got it. I was like, oh, wait, I already Ooh. I already solved this. I did it already. Um, so for people who aren't familiar or maybe you've seen on Facebook or Twitter people talking about Wordle, Wordle is a kind of like a word guessing slash spelling game where you get six guesses to guess a five letter word. And I say guesses because there are no clues, like zero clues. Wow. It's not like a crossword puzzle, um, you know, where you kind of get a hint at what it is. Your first guess can really make or break how many, um, how long it takes you to get the final puzzle. I haven't yet 
come across a wordle that I haven't been able to solve though. So I'm very excited nice. about that. Very um, and it's really interesting kind of seeing, you know, so when you see people tweeting like their blocks about which letters they have and what in the order, it's really fascinating to see kind of like how people evolve their guesses. And it's something that sometimes I consult my husband on and sometimes I don't, but he always <laughs> tries to remind me of, um, wheel of fortune rules about like which consonants and vowels are like the most common and which mm -hmm. ones you want to try to use at the top of your guesses and you know save the other ones from the bottom so essentially what the game does is um it will tell you if you have a letter that's correct and if it's in the correct position so if you type in a word like beast and if you have like the e the s and the t right if it will show up yellow if you got the letter right and it'll show up green if you got the letter right and it's in the right position. And so you can use those kind of clues and hints to kind of deduct, you know, what your next guesses are going to be. And then of course it will eliminate letters that you've guessed that aren't in the in the word. And I think that this is great because it's so simple. And of course, there's been a bunch of stories this week about how Apple has gotten involved taking imposter games down off of the mm -hmm. App Store. And they don't normally really flex a lot about removing knockoff games. But for some reason, they've been going after the Wordle <laughs> knockoffs, um, which is <laughs> kind of great because the guy who made it made it as like a love letter to his partner, which Aww. I thought was really nice. Just like a quick background on Wordle as a game. The short version of the story, which you can read the full version in a special in the New York Times, is British-raised New York resident Josh Wardle, Wardle, not Wardle, <laughs> uh, used to work at Reddit and is now a software engineer at Brooklyn Art Collective. I think it's called Mischief, M-S-C-H-F, so. Mischief, originally built Wordle last year for his partner, a, world a word puzzle enthusiast for them to play together. Hosting it on a website that he's had for years as a home for his other creative efforts, Wardle casually shared the game with family. Then he showed it to a few well-placed friends. But virility, as we know, doesn't take much to get rolling when the stars have a line. And it was in a blink of an eye that all hell broke loose. <laughs> Over the space of weeks, the game grew from fewer than 1,000 players to 2 million players. And apparently... Josh told TechCrunch, what I built at the start is the game that everyone is playing today. It was definitely not the intention I had when I started. Because there's been, I've seen some people kind of going after them for like accessibility options and other features and this. And it's like, no, like he didn't build this as a game to sell. Right. Or yeah, even as a, as a game to market. He literally mm -hmm. just built it for his partner and then made it available if anyone who got the website could play it. And so a lot of people are. And so I was like, you kind of got to remember what the spirit of the game is, that it's this very grassroots indie thing. And he's openly said, like, I don't have any intentions of bringing this game to other platforms or growing this game or making it something bigger than it is. I'm just going to keep it for what it is. And it's like, Part of me thinks, dude, you're just leaving <laughs> potentially millions of dollars There's on so the table. Much potential here. I'm what sure your you partner doing? would be like, poke, poke. Hey, honey, yeah. wouldn't it be great if we could like retire on Wordle? <laughs> that would be nice. So maybe, be maybe you take the money from somebody. <laughs> so um, it's been interesting because did you ever watch or hear of a game show on the Game Show Network from decades ago called Lingo? Yeah, I'd heard of it. Yeah. 
So this game kind of had this weird resurrection in the UK. So it was Hmm. started in the 80s and then kind of went offline in the late or early 2000s and then came back for a brief run around 2011, but now has recently been resurrected in the UK. And they're like, Wordle stole our game from us. And I'm like, he didn't steal anything from anybody. He just he made a little thing for his this. for his partner. <laughs> he's not trying to make. He's literally actively saying, "I'm not trying to make money on this." So like, let the poor let, man be let alone, him live his life. Yeah. yeah, but I I love it because it's so simple and mm. it's a nice little like brain teaser. And I don't generally enjoy crossword puzzles because. I I just don't know a lot of random clues to words and I'm just not good at it. It always makes me frustrated when I can never finish them. Exactly. And That's the frustrating part. It's just like, oh, it's I just I didn't finish it and now I'm a failure. Like I'm just a failure. I could there's four clues I just will never get. I will never get. Yeah. That. Exactly. <laughs> but I feel like puzzle. Wordle's going to be like a really bright flame right now and then it's going to like die on the vine very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um but it's a I would right now. I would play this as a mobile game if they mm. had it. I don't mind playing it. I play, just played in Safari on my phone mm-hmm. every day, and I just log in, and I'm like, oh, this is a nice little brain teaser. It takes me, you know, like 10 to 15 minutes or whatever to kind of, like, puzzle it out. And today, today's puzzle, uh, word almost stumped me, though, because I, I brought out the notepad on my PC, and I was, like, <laughs> doing all these different, like, letter combinations. Yes. And being like, what is it? What is it? I, this is not going to break me. <laughs> oh my goodness just picking yeah. the whiteboard like always sunny it's like with all the <laughs> oh yes yeah, so with all no. like the, the numbers what and are the, the equations going, going yeah. by yeah. well did you ever play boggle as a kid yeah a couple times yeah boggle was my jam <laughs> i love hated to this day <laughs> hate scrabble get out of here scrabble, scrabble don't work. want anything to do with you and all of your bullshit made up words that people somehow find in the dictionary and i'm like that's right. not a freaking word it is i'm done word. with this like, game table flip i can't does, ever yeah. play scrabble it always ends very catastrophically um but boggle i loved because it kind of felt like a really even playing field all the letters were right there all you had to do was make as many words as possible within the allotted time so for people who've never played boggle it's imagine um kind of like the shake up of Yahtzee but all letters so it's a bunch of dice that all have letters on them and you shake them in this little cube tray clear cube tray yeah um and I always loved being the one who got to shake the letters Mm -hmm. and then you settle them in and they're all the letters are kind of jumbled up and then you kind of take the lid off and then you flip the timer and then it's go and the idea is you have to make as many words as possible before the timer runs out. And then whoever has made the most legitimate words wins the round or gets X amount of points. And I always loved it because it felt like, you know, a great way to kind of flex your your brain muscles without feeling like it was super hyper competitive or that it felt unfair in any way. It's like all the letters are right there in front of you. It's just about how you put them together. Whereas with Scrabble, I just feel like people were always like, picking really tricksy words and I'm like that's you're just not guessing that's a word you don't actually know <laughs> yeah. if that's a word and then I'm always the one who was like pushing the glasses up being like let me get the dictionary and make sure <laughs> we're gonna double check this uh, that's me too I'm just like we're gonna double check this yeah <laughs> make sure your points are real points but did you uh, spend a lot of time playing kind of word games or puzzle games like this when you were growing up or even as an adult um, I, I mean 
Words with Friends I played a lot of. Oh, and that yes. Was just, yeah, yeah that, was, that was fun. And it's just easier than, than like tabletop Scrabble. So I just, it's like fun to play there. So that was probably what I played the most of on mobile. Uh, I can't really think of anything else that off the top of my head that I played in terms of word games. Yeah, you know, Words with Friends was another one that I didn't get into because I just, you know, v- violently quitting. <laughs> just people who play games with me know that I'm a very sore loser and I'm not shy about the fact that I'm a sore loser. <laughs> I get very angry about it. But I think that what I love about how Wordle has kind of taken social media by storm is that it's a throwback to classic puzzle games that are really Mm -hmm. simple at their core and you don't really need a lot of bells and whistles in order to make a great game whether it be a number game like threes which did really well you know or a game like wordle i think it's awesome so if you haven't yet played it's completely free just type wordle w-o-r-d-l-e into google and it will take you to his website thepowerlanguage.co.uk and you can play for free and there's a new puzzle every 24 hours and it's the same puzzle that the entire world gets it's not like he's changing it so yeah can you cheat of course but it's like cheating on a crossword <laughs> like the point? yeah the, the, one word. turns out the answers are right there just upside down <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> yeah you can cheat but you're just cheating yourself exactly so you should try it chastity and let me know I'm, what you think i think i will i think i will i'm gonna give in yeah you Six try time. wordle and i'll download animal restaurant yes all right deal <laughs> Deal. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, on that note, I want to move into talking about what you've been up to. So I reached out to our community on Patreon and was like, hey, do you guys have any questions for chastity? And I made the caveat just just as an example. I And I didn't <laughs> intend for this to come off the wrong way. I was just like, do you have questions about, you know, things that she's produced or hosted or work she's done or maybe even like anime she's watched? <laughs> and everyone wants to know about anime. So, so pardon me for, for talking too much about anime, but... Um, it's interesting. So Dracos3442 um, says, which anime are you watching now? And is there a show coming out soon that you are eagerly anticipating? Is there an anime you're watching now? Uh, I am watching Fruits Basket and My Hero Academia. Um, they're, I know like I'm just a little behind, so I'm catching up on both of them. Um, but Fruits Basket for me is a special one because I watched it as a teenager and they, they remade it. So this is a new version with new art and they're actually continuing the story. It, it ended very abruptly in the early 2000s when they first did the anime. So it's nice to see that story continuing and seeing where it goes with new art and new performances and to continue where uh, they left off with because the manga continued and now um, the anime is feels more complete. Uh, so I'm, I'm really enjoying that. And uh, Fruits Basket is, uh, the premise of it is, if you're not familiar, it's about a girl who befriends this family uh, who uh, they, when the opposite sex hugs them, um, they represent the um, animals in the zodiac, the Chinese zodiac. So one of them is the rat, one of them is the cat. Uh, so like if, if she hugs uh, the boy uh, who is the rat, he turns into an actual rat. Uh, and they're trying to keep the secret from their regular high school um, classmates and whatnot. Uh, this is very much a secret, but she finds out the secret and they let her in on it. And she ends up like moving in with this family and befriending them. And it's very wholesome. And it's about how she brings out the best in them. And like, they're very sad, tragic um, people, but she 
helps them find happiness. So it's 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 very cute, um, and it's something that I really liked as a teen. So it's it's nice to revisit that as an adult and, I, and to see that I still enjoy it. But yeah, I'm, I'm finishing that. And uh, yeah, My Hero Academia, I'm just catching up on that. And I, I just love that show. It's so good. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love that concept of that show because it kind of like the first thing I thought of um, was Luca, the Disney mm. Pixar movie. Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. this idea of like this like secret side of yourself that only comes out at very specific times and then you have mm-hmm. to try to kind of hide it uh, for people right. who haven't seen Luca like the whole kind of elevator pitch of the movie is that there's these two young boys that when they get water on them they turn into like fish people um, but otherwise they look like regular human boys so it sounds like this Chinese zodiac um, mm-hmm. thing kind of works in a similar mechanics right. yeah Interesting. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. I, I enjoy it. Um, yeah, and as far as a, a show coming out that I'm anticipating, uh, not so much in terms of anime. I've been watch. I just want to talk about a show that I've been really, like, into and binged in two days. Uh, this show called Yellow Jackets on Showtime. Have you heard about this show? Yes. Yeah, so I did a Twitter it's- Spaces on Saturday <laughs> yeah. where yeah. we talked about the top 10 TV shows of 2021 and Yellow Jackets was in the in the top 10 from my friend Maria. So I personally haven't seen Yellow Jackets mm-hmm. yet, but everyone I've talked to that's watched it says you're going to binge it. You're going to love it. Just yes. don't wait. Just watch it. Everyone was right. Everyone who said that was right. And um, yeah, my friend Lucy James told me to watch it. And I was just like, yeah, it's been on my list. And but she's like, no, this is really good. So I started on Sunday night. I was pretty much done by Monday night, but I only stopped myself because I had to get up for work the next morning. And I had like a half stupid work. And I was just like, waiting. right. (laughs) I was waiting all day to finish it. And by the time I had to, I could clock out. Um, at the end of the day, I just finished it. And my boyfriend's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm finishing Yellow Jackets. I'll talk to you in about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. It's like you finished the whole season. I'm like, yes, don't ask questions. It's so good. It's really good. That's if awesome. you seen it and you didn't listen to that Twitter spaces, uh, the quick pitch for the show is like, it's kind of like Lost, kind of like Lord of the Flies, but it's about a girls soccer team in high school and they're going to nationals and their uh, plane crashes uh, in the Canadian wilderness, and they're stuck there for, I think, 19 months. So it, it takes place in two timelines. You see what goes on in 1996, and there's a lot of... there's Basically, the show is like a resurgence of, a, like, like hardcore chick rock that I love. So I'm, like, listening to all the songs in the show. I'm just like, it's taking me back. This is taking me back to my childhood, and I love it. And then it also takes place in 2021 at the same time with a storyline of them 25 years later. Uh, and they've got Christina Ricci, and they've got Juliette Lewis, and... Uh, Melanie Linsky and they're really really good so excellent performances a lot of intrigue but it it definitely scratches that itch that I had for just like mystery and and something that scares me a little bit Uh, just the way that I felt when I was watching Lost or Twin Peaks I love that I love that um I I think that you know the t- there's just there was so much good TV last year. Like we oh, we could yeah. make a whole nother podcast just about TV. <laughs> but if you guys did miss my Twitter Spaces, do check it out. We had a pretty comprehensive list of of, of television. But um, before we get to any more questions, I want to talk a little bit about like what you've been up to. So when mm-hmm. I introduced you at the top of the show, um, you have this title, producer and host. And I want to touch on the idea that you can't just be one of those things. 
if right. you're going to be an on-camera host, you almost always have to also be a producer. And if you find yourself working in digital media, it's very rarely that you're going to be a producer these days and never find yourself making an appearance of some kind right. on camera. <laughs> and I would love to kind of talk to you about how you found your way into producing and hosting and what are some of the projects that you know you really enjoyed working on. Thanks for asking me this. And yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that we haven't had this conversation together. <laughs> Just like to sit down and like talk right? about it. No, we never, yeah. we never have. Like <laughs> I've had the, the so amazing <laughs> pleasure of being a host that was produced by you. Um, but, you know, you and I haven't ever gotten to work on something, you know, um, in an ongoing way. And mm -hmm. we've never gotten to, a chance to chat about, you know, our experiences working as producer slash hosts, um, yeah. you know, in, in games and in entertainment. And you've done so many cool things in your career. I would love to kind of hear about, you know, like what your experience has been and, you know, which side of it you maybe like more or less. And, <laughs> um, you know, kind of let's start with, you know, your one of your favorite projects that you worked on I never ask a host yeah. or a producer to name their like best thing because it always feels so disingenuous because mm -hmm. it's like I've personally worked on a lot of cool things I could never pick one right. thing but yeah. pick something that stood out to you and that you really enjoyed working on um I mean this is Kind of inside baseball because we're both involved, but it, it was the GameSpot co-op stage. <laughs> yes. Sure. Oh, my like, gosh. That was of course. Just, like a highlight of my career. And also, I had never done that before. I don't know if it showed the first year, but uh, they it just did not. pulled me in to do it because I, I was just like, I know people that would love to do this with us and be on our E3 stage and we can do a show together and like I'll, I'll guest sometimes if they don't need me I'll stand back and just produce but I, I can make this happen um, but basically it was like a very big change uh, in in people that were at GameSpot at the time I was part of like this new class Saved by the Bell new class version of GameSpot um, and they just needed someone to produce the um, the co-op stage and I just raised my hand for it and I was like I'll do it it would be great and I know great people that would love to do it um, and I got what's good games involved, kind of funny. You know, we uh, um, we were house, okay. Yeah. We were pretty good. <laughs> it's great, yeah. <laughs> it, it really worked out, and I was just like, "Hey, you guys are just coming up. Uh, I got a stage. Do you want to come be on it?" Yes, <laughs> like, Avi. Of course we do. And we're gonna bring our friend Jake Baldino with us too. That was fun. I love Jake. Jake's great. Yeah, um, he's wonderful. Jake continued to do more GameSpot stuff with us too, um, and he helps out with our charity streams once in a while, which is nice. Uh, our there. I feel <laughs> you worked there for I a while. It's okay. All the time. It was five years of my life. Yeah. So, but yeah. But it, I loved doing that because it, it was just a way to work with friends in the industry I hadn't seen in a long time, get together for a really fun show. Um, and I got to really like learn skills that will help me moving forward in terms of just like putting a live show together and what that all involves. It's not easy, y'all. It's very hard. And there's a lot of spreadsheets. There's a lot of emails. And there's a lot oh, of planning. So and many spreadsheets. Oh, goodness. And just trying to like, <laughs> so you, you think about who you want. And then you reach out to all of them. You find the right times where they're available where you and you have to fill that grid. So just think about like, just like this grid, this calendar that you have to fill up. And then you have to get everything they have to get pictures of everyone you got to figure out tweets for everyone ask them to do tweets and get them on the stage at the right time and find out like get them in do they have a badge do they not have a badge do you have to get them a badge it's like there's so many things that you have to think about that you don't 
um, realize when you're just watching the show that goes into it that I didn't really realize. Yeah, it's the producing part slash the the programming part too, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that's something that a lot of people who watch content don't understand that the Mm -hmm. term producer is used pretty generally in digital media, but most producers who work in digital also are programmers, meaning they not only coordinate the production, but they also pick the content for the production. And then they have to kind of Tetris puzzle in which pieces of content go where. And you really have to use a lot of brain bites to figure out, you know, what content do people want to watch? What content do I want to include? What content do we want to make sure our audience wants? You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a learned skill that I think people like you don't get enough credit for. (laughs) Like it's, it's tough, you know, and I would be curious to know, like, before you started working in digital media for video games, did you kind Mm -hmm. of see this as your career path? Or did you start somewhere different? I started somewhere different. I started in television news, actually, which is where uh, my career first started. I did a couple of internships, got hired as a production assistant at the local ABC News in San Francisco. And I was there for a while, almost four years. Um, And I was just like, am I going to be a reporter? Am I going to keep going in news? And uh, I... Honestly, it's just the hours weren't the thing for me. It's just like oh, holidays. They're so, br- they're so holidays. brutal. It's Seriously. why I it's why I got out of broadcast really <laughs> yeah. early. And it's it's, it's really so weird sad. because like you don't see your family. That was my career path, right? Like broadcast mm-hmm. journalism was my degree. I worked with the CBS affiliate in Minneapolis. Like it mm-hmm. was supposed to be like what I was supposed to do. It was supposed to start in a right. small market and I'd eventually be anchoring and blah 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 all this. That was my like dream job. And then once I got into it, I was like, whoa, this is actually whoa. not what I want at all. And the pay is so bad. It's you're so bad. What? It's like, oh, yeah, you're starting out and you're producing the news and you're making 45K uh, in, in Fresno. And that, and, but you're a senior producer. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Yeah, journalists, that, no, journalists do not make money. I mean, if you work at one of the big flashy cable news networks, sure. But like getting there requires years, if not decades worth of experience in order to get, you know, considered for those openings. And I think it's, you know, really interesting how digital changed everything for Mm -hmm. everybody in video, particularly in broadcast. And if digital hadn't really come onto the scene right when I was, you know, starting my career, I think, you know, my life would be very different (laughs) than it is today. I probably (laughs) never would have been able, would never ended up in video games. A lot of times when I, when people ask me these questions, which I love getting to ask somebody else for one, (laughs) um, they're like, you know, did you always want to work in games? And I was like, you know, no, I never envisioned myself working in games, actually. For me, like what I really envisioned myself working was in entertainment news. I frequently tell the story about how I grew up with Mary Hart on Entertainment Tonight and wanted to work in Hollywood and interview celebrities and talk about movies. And, you know, I went to journalism school and did that whole route of investigative work and, you know, being inspired by Channel One back when I was in school. But after really kind of being in the trenches with a couple internships, I just decided hard news was just not the path for me. I wanted to bring Mm -hmm. joy to people's lives. And the easiest way for me to do that was to work in entertainment news. And I just found my way into video games during the Great Recession because after the writer's strike here in Hollywood in the late um, 
2000s, like there was just this opening in digital media that it was like, hey, I'm never going to get a job in actual broadcast right now. It's just not, not going to happen. So I can either mm-hmm. cry about it and be sad or I can pivot and try to find a career in a different field that's still on camera, still in the spirit of being a journalist. And that's when I found reporting on video games. And I yeah. think it's I think it's great that you got the experience, though, of working in an actual news station because that is so crucial. It's the best training. And it sets you it, up for success. Yeah, it's the best training. It, it's boot camp. It's like if you can handle that, you can handle anything. Everything else seemed easy after that. So like problems that I went to Discovery after, I went to IGN, I went to GameSpot, and I was like, this is fine. You're like, this oh, I'm I've sorry, you need me to hell. do what? Uh, flip yeah. hair, I got yeah. this. <laughs> I've already been through hell, it's fine. I, my first shift was three in the morning, uh, so I had to get Ooh. up at one. No yeah, thanks. So it's, yeah, for the morning news. And it's just like, well, you're starting out, so obviously you're gonna work the morning news. Yeah, so you get the shit gonna- shift, yeah. How how are you? Had you can you never adjust to that? You really don't. It's just like try to fall asleep at six. Absolutely not. In no. my early twenties, absolutely not. No, not gonna happen. No. But yeah, I completely agree with you. Like everything you said was ringing true to me. Um, and I just like it was depressing too. Like just if it bleeds, it leads was constantly the the driving oh. force uh, in news. And it's just like we're we're talking about the most depressing stuff, and anything uplifting is once in a while or just gets shut down yeah or it's buried in like the d block right nobody watches exactly no yeah exactly and it it gets 30 seconds or if that if that it gets 15 seconds maybe yeah yeah, it's 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 sad and i was just like this is this is too intense and i like i just want to be able to be with my family during the holidays so i'm going to try something different yes and please don't get it twisted everybody who's listening we both have an immense amount of respect for people who are working in hard news, it's hard, which is why you should pay to access journalistic sites (laughs) like the Washington Post, like the New York Times, whatever your newspaper or news channel of choice is, like pay for the subscription, even if it's just the basic level, because those people are doing the hard work that people like Chastity and I were like, listen, deuces, it's not for me, but... But good so on good on you. Somebody's got to do it. I just I'm so I'm not I don't have the for stuff for it. it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that that's great. Um, and now you're working at a, a publisher, which is, you know, different than, you know, obviously working at a media outlet. And I think it's really fascinating. I've, I've talked on the show a couple of times about the transition in media from the access that video game news outlets used to have to how now the publishers kind of have their own internal news teams. And we're seeing almost all of the major publishers doing this now. I think, you know, Activision kind of started it with a Call of Duty YouTube channel back in like the early 2010s. They were kind of the first publisher to say, hey, we're just going to do this on our own. We're not going to send our trailers to IGN, GameSpot, GameTrailers.com. We're just going to post our trailers ourselves. How radical. <laughs> we're just going to make our own <laughs> channel. And then, you know, publishers like Ubisoft, Bethesda, um, and Xbox, people saying, hey, you know what? Why don't we just hire people who either worked in games media or have producing backgrounds to work for us and just tell our stories so we can really showcase our developers and not have to worry about driving traffic and clicks. And we really give our teams who are busting their butts to make these games time to shine. 
You can do deep dive into games like For Honor, for example, a game that's still going strong, but probably wouldn't get top billing on a major news outlet because it's like, well, how many people are really going to click on a story about season 17 of For Honor? Like, I'm making that up. (laughs) I don't know what season they're on. Um, But I think that that's really interesting to see how it's pivoted since you and I both kind of joined the media field. Do you feel like you're in like a really good spot now and that you finally get to tell some stories that maybe you didn't get to tell before? Yeah, it's it's great to have that access and to like just be like, we produce two live streams a week, but we can just go straight to the source and get the devs on and get the, the creative director or the narrative director and just ask them. And like, that's something I, I didn't get to do at GameSpot. It's like, I'm playing the games. So I'm like, man, I, I want to know this. I want to know that. But like, I, I have access to those people now. And like, get the voice actors in and get them to talk to each other. And then like, and it's, it's really cool to have that access and to just be like, you dream up an idea and be like, cool. Yeah, we can make that happen. We, we just ask this person or like, here's the person that you're going to meet and you just the dream. And yeah, it's great. Yeah. And like we put Danny Trejo in, in Far Cry six and we got him on a live stream and he was great. And he brought out two machetes that he had and showed them on stream. And I love three it. Three dogs. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. This is so cool. That's awesome. I think it's such an interesting evolution. And obviously there's going to be people who bring up, and it's a valid point, this idea of, well, isn't coverage or news articles that you're getting directly from the publisher always going to be biased in favor of the game. And I personally have put criticism out there for publishers like PlayStation who put out a preview of a game that they're publishing on their blog. And I'm like, well, well, maybe you shouldn't call it a preview because Mm -hmm. you're always going to give it favorable coverage because it's your game. And I think that there can definitely be space for both. Right. And I think so too. Yeah. What's Good Games has always been a bastion of positive, upbeat coverage. It's kind of like our tagline. And people who listen to our show know that, you know, we're not the angry video game nerds of the internet. There are plenty of people out there who do that brand of content if that's the style of content you're looking for. What's Good Games ain't it? If it is, you're in the wrong place. Um, and I think that's, you know, true also of publishers. I think it's great that we see people like Bethesda who have their own internal team going, Hey, we're going to do our own live stream showcasing our game, bringing our devs on because we can, and we built this team. We don't necessarily need to rely on like, you know, like the ninjas and the Dr. Lupos of the world to showcase our game. We can do it ourselves. And I think that that's not a bad thing. In fact, I think it, you know, gives developers more time to shine than they maybe got previously. Yeah. And just, yeah, new ways to highlight the people that are working on the things that you're playing and, and like, just showcase different people that are, like, working on animation or working on uh, whatever it may be. And that I would never probably think of asking to interview when I was at GameSpot. And now just, like, hey, that's a really cool thing. Like, can you tell me more about your job and what you did? And to learn more details about that is is awesome. It's, like, it's just random curiosity I've had coming from a news background. Uh, it's, it's nice to be able to just scratch that itch and find out answers whenever I feel like. Are there certain kinds of projects that producer Chastity has always <laughs> wanted to work on that you haven't gotten a chance to work on yet, either oh, within your current job or mm-hmm. like kind of in the broader sense of your career? Yeah, uh, I've always had, um, I, I had a very 
brief brush with um, television production in late night, uh, but I've never had a brush with like television production in terms of just like um, fictional storytelling. And I've always wanted to do that and see what that was like. Uh, I've always been in media or um, or news, and the most like the, the furthest jump from that would probably be when I interned for Jimmy Fallon. But that was still. Um, nonfiction that was still talking to people about what they're actually doing and and not having anything to do with fiction. So I'd I'd love to like branch out and see what that was like. I've always wondered what working on a, te- a television show was like, but I also heard that it's very stressful, and I can imagine so. Um, so like I'm I I'm at a stage in my life where I I, I chill vibes. Like I just need to. You're like, like I can't. I don't work, I've, need like my I've, boss and the union like breathing down my <laughs> neck. I just can't deal. No thanks. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, there, there's, there's definitely stuff I, I'd still like to do, but I, I feel like realistically, like what I would actually do and what would like to do is I don't know, do some kind of um, editorial dedicated support for like a TV show in terms of like an after show and like the official after show for something. And maybe that's possible. Like, we'll see. Just putting it out there in the universe because I, I also work with Ubisoft Film and Television. Let's, let's do well, something. Well, what's the show that you <laughs> want to do the official after for show? Oh. Let us know. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I have to think about that. Okay. Yeah. Well, think about it because maybe yeah. if you put it, if you're like, listen, I must do <laughs> the official after show for The Bachelor. It must be mine. You never know <laughs> oh what the gosh. universe, universe is going to bring back to you. That, that sounds like a good time. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, if you yeah. guys want to hire me, universe, to do the official after show for the next uh, for the new Lord of the Rings uh, TV show that's coming on Amazon later this year. I am available. <laughs> Your Make people call my happen. people. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's I think it's wonderful getting to hear from you more about some of the things that not only that you've worked on, but that you want to work on. Is there a project coming up that you're particularly excited about that, of course, you can publicly talk about or something that you've been working on that or something that you've done recently, maybe that you're like, hey, if you missed this thing I did, you can check it out. Yeah, I that Danny Trejo stream, uh, stream was super fun. So if you go back to uh, our Twitch, uh, you can see the video. I think we still have it on YouTube as well um, for Ubisoft's channel. But yeah, that was that was a really good time. Um, but looking forward to, um, I, we did a couple of charity streams in 2021 that I was really proud of, and I would love to continue doing more of those this year. So, um, we'll probably do extra life again. And we love working with uh, UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital and benefiting them. So we, we did that for extra life last year. We'll probably do that again this year. Um, but yeah, lots to look forward to. Um, I'm, I'm still learning. I, I feel like I'm still new here. So I'm just like excited to like go on my first work trip. Uh, I haven't done that yet. Oh, so I'm looking forward to going give on my first Ubisoft trip. props? They yeah. always yes. had the best trips, the best I press trips. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking forward to. I miss to. those trips. Please. I really do. Like, I think part of it is that not only that Ubisoft has studios in so many different parts of the world, but that the commitment of world building within Ubisoft games really makes it viable to bring people. So I think the last big Ubisoft trip we did was the Division 2 in Washington, D.C. Oh. And it was Brittany and I went and a bunch of other press went to Washington, D.C. with some of the team from Massive before the Division 2 launched. And it was such an amazing trip to go because I'd never been to D.C. before but to go to specific places in the real world that had been recreated in the game and then talk to the team who recreated it 
which felt like such a privilege. Mm -hmm. And I am so grateful that Ubisoft has always been so kind and inviting what's good games to press events and inviting me to press events, Andrea, Renee, all of all the different outlets I've worked at in my career. (laughs) Some of my best previews I've ever done have been Ubisoft pieces. um, And it's just been wonderful. So I'm definitely jealous. I think (laughs) Yusuf went to Egypt during Assassin's Creed Origins. And I was like, oh, (laughs) the FOMO is real. That's so cool. (sighs) Yeah. So I guess um, what's on your bucket list? Which studio do you want to go see? Uh... I just please just send me anywhere. <laughs> like, just but there's so many. Yeah, there's so many. There's so many. Um, but I don't know where would I want to go. I, I guess go I would to Singapore. To... That would be cool. That the Singapore really cool. studio is yeah. really cool, and Singapore oh, is beautiful. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I want to go to the mall. Well, I mean, you got you got time. You know, yeah. just make a checklist, mm-hmm. show it to your yes. boss, and say, "Can we make this happen?" <laughs> I'll put in the work. I'll do you proud, but like, yes. you know, put it out there. I want to visit yeah. all the studios. Let's Please. make a series. Here, I got it. I'm pitching uh-huh. you right now. Uh-huh. Let's series. make a series, mm-hmm. a Ubisoft studio feature series Ooh. where we just go to all of the different Ubisoft studios around the world. We talk to the studio directors, and then we handpick some cool cats from the de- the dev teams there. We don't necessarily need to talk about what they're working on. You know, we keep everything secret, of course. Of course. Um, but anything that they can <laughs> show us, they show us. And then we get to kind of showcase what it's like a day in the life of a dev at like, you know, the team in, you know, France or the team in Montreal or the team, mm. you know, wherever. Right, could be good. I love that. If you need that. a host, yeah, I'm around. You could yes. produce it. I'll we produce could co-host it. it, and we can get really good food after oh. the shoots. <laughs> I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> okay, I want to end the show by asking you a game question. So, mm-hmm. Javin Mather on Patreon wrote in and said, "What's one game that oh you wish you could wipe from your memory and experience again for the very first time?" Oh, man. I'm going to go with Persona 5. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going with Persona 5. I just really had a great experience going through that. And, like, I wish I could ex- erase it when I went back for Persona 5 Royal because, like, I knew it already. I was like, now, now it's a chore. But I had such a good time the first playthrough, and it's just it's not the same um, after that. But great story. Uh, loved the characters spent a lot of that year uh, in that game, um, more hours than I needed to. And I, yeah, I, I think that's what I'm going with. It's it's probably not a typical answer over there, but I just loved that game so much. I don't think that there is any typical answer to this question. It's very <laughs> yeah. personal, it is, this idea yeah. of something, a game that was so impactful to you that you would be willing to wipe it from your memory just so that you could experience it again. That's how special it was. So, Do you have an answer? To that question? Yeah, to that question. Um, I think every time I get asked that question, I change my answer. But one of my, you know, kind of de facto games that I talk about on the show a lot as being super impactful to me, of course, is Mass Effect 2. And mm-hmm. how my experience with that game the first time was kind of an interesting slash weird one. Actually, now that I think about it, that game might not have been the best because... 
I had such a torrid relationship with that game at the beginning. Mm. It was, I rage quit that game when I first played it for the very first time. And I had to go back to it. But maybe, hmm, maybe it's Bioshock. Mm, okay, if I could go yeah. back and experience Bioshock for the very first time. It's a good answer. Such a wonderful poignant game with such interesting great mechanics amazing world building and arguably one of the most influential first person shooters ever created if you have never ever played bioshock play the remastered version that's available <laughs> in the bioshock collection like it's so good or maybe portal oh portal would be better Okay, but we can't. They're both good answers. We could just keep talking about yeah, it. I could be like, yeah. ooh, but this game. No, but this game. But what about Breath of the Wild? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, could, I could leave Breath <laughs> of the Wild yeah, yeah. and never go back and experience <laughs> that again. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Don't tell Brittany. Okay. Um, Chastity, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much Thank for taking you. time out of your day to come by. If people want to keep up with all of the streams you're doing, the anime you're watching or not watching, <laughs> the unpacking that you're doing or not doing. Uh, where is a great place for people to do that? Uh, just follow me on Twitter. Twitter, uh, I'm at Chastity underscore V, C-H-A-S-T-I-T-Y underscore V. That's the same username on Instagram as well. I don't post there as often, but I'm pretty much always on Twitter. So find me there. And I'm on streams on Ubisoft's Twitch channel, Wednesdays and Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. I love it. We'll show up in the chat for her, everybody. <laughs> Go say hi to Chastity. And someday we'll do a panel whenever yes. we get back to a PAX about, about being a producer in video games. And we'll talk about our, our stories from the trenches. It'll be fun. Oh, yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We will be back next week. Until then, have a great weekend. See you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.